Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Well, it's a new year, right? The cynics will say uh, it's just another day on the calendar, just an arbitrary number that's assigned to an otherwise ordinary day, but I beg to differ. I think New Year's is special. New Year's is special because it's new, and newness to me is an exciting thing. Let's test it. New baby. Is that an exciting thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, New car. Kind of an exciting thing. How about a new job? Is that an exciting thing? Yeah. Now, um, in case you uh, were wondering if there's any hidden messages, I'm not getting any of those this year, okay? No new babies, no new cars, and no new jobs, unless you know something I don't. Um, But from my perspective, whenever I see anybody else get any of those things, it seems to be a very exciting thing in their lives. Uh, For me, I get excited about some other things, like new friends. I'm hoping to make some new friends this coming year. Uh, I'm an adventure guy, so if there's, a, if there's a new adventure on the horizon, that's an exciting thing for me. But I am of the opinion, personally, that there is little in this life that is more exciting than the prospect of a fresh start on this life. Do you, from time to time, feel like you just need to hit the reset button, the redo button, and back up and take another run at life? The good news of the gospel, if I understand it correctly, is that God offers fresh life to anyone who wants it. A few years ago, several years ago, I got to be the official starter at a cross-country meet back in the Midwest. Uh, if you don't know what cross-country is, it's this, it's where people run across country instead of on a track, right? They run in parks, they run in golf courses, those kinds of things. Instead of there being nice, neat little lanes that you stay in while you run, it's kind of mob mentality. It's kind of full contact distance running. So that day, as I was the designated starter, I got to be the guy who wore this this flashy sleeve so that people could see where I was, and I got to hold a pistol, which, you know, is just good fun if you're me. Uh, and I got to be in charge, and I kind of like that. So uh, that day, there were lots of runners there in several races, and I got to be the man who was in charge. And in each race, there were probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 75 runners that would cluster there at the starting line and jockey a little bit for position, trying to, you know, throw an elbow here and there and make a little bit of room to get their spot, just eagerly waiting for me to fire that pistol because they knew as soon as they heard the sound of the gun that they could take off and the race was on and this thing that they'd been training for and hoping for and preparing for was going to unfold right in front of them. They also, however, had to listen once I fired that pistol because if I fired it a second time, It meant that everybody who had just heard what they wanted to, the starter's pistol, now had to stop, turn around, make their way all the way back to the starting line, take their places for a restart of the race. Now why in the world, once I got all those 75 people running down the course, would I even think about pulling the trigger another time and restarting the race? It's because cross-country is the best sport in the universe. Um, that's not a discussion question and just helping you understand the way life really is. It's the best sport in the universe. It's because it's pure sport. It works out like this. If during the, the start of that race, anywhere in the first 100 meters, uh, for those of you who are not metric people, it's 110 yards, okay? Somewhere in the first football field of the race. If one of the runners falls down or gets knocked down by another runner, The starter fires the pistol again, everybody stops, comes back, and everyone gets a fresh start on the day. See, 
there are fast people and there are slow people and the race has a way of demonstrating exactly who is who. But the race is not won in those first 50 steps. And it's very important that everybody, in the interest of sport and fairness, it's very important that everybody gets a shot at starting well. I don't know how you got started in this life, but I believe that the scriptures also teach that everybody deserves a chance or two at starting well. Well, that day I had uh, all the runners on the line, and there was a guy there in the men's varsity race who was hands down the fastest guy in the state. He was in fantastic shape. He was looking for a chance to take a really smoking fast time into the qualifying meets that would eventually lead him to the state championship. And so he kind of took his spot on the line and nobody uh, got in his way. Everybody knew who the real racehorse in the race was and the race here was for second place. So I got them all on the line. They're all, you can just feel the tension in the air. It's awesome, isn't it, Deborah? It's just an awesome thing to, when, when they're all right there. And... Uh, I fired the gun and they took off. And that guy, the fast guy, he led that race literally from the first step. It was like he anticipated me pulling that trigger and I heard the bang and he was just right there and gone. There were some fairly fast guys on his heels for that that first little bit of the race. Then the, the middle pack followed. And then there were some people who looked like they gave up in the first 50 yards. You know what I'm talking about? It was just some people who... Ooh, started the race. They, they just weren't very fast and they didn't seem to be concerned about that. But there was one little guy, a freshman, I'm pretty sure, right in the middle of this group of the slowest of the slow. And he couldn't get all his stuff headed the same direction at the same time. You know, he just, the, the arms out here and feet kicking. And uh, But I, I could tell he was just really working at it and really tr- trying hard. And he's bunched up in the middle of this pack. And about 75 yards down the course, that matters, about 75 yards down the course, he gets tripped and just does a lip skid. Just pow on this packed earth. Hit the You could hear it from that far away. You could hear that kid just pile up. And people jump over the top of him. And, you know, it really wasn't a factor in the race. All of the people who were going to earn medals and ribbons and so forth. They're already another 100 meters down the course. But I'm the guy with the gun. And I believe that that rule for starting the race was written for a reason. See, I think when it comes to uh, athletics, I'm kind of old school. This isn't about primarily about me beating you and being able to say it. I I believe that in in true sport, the goal is to triumph over me. That on any given day, if I will show up and I will give my very best and I will pay the price to try to improve, that I become triumphant in that moment. Now, just so you know, I believe in winning and losing. I don't think trophies go to everybody. I think that's ridiculous. I believe in, uh, in competition and some people winning and some people losing. But I also believe that that rule was written to honor something that's been lost in much of our culture. So when slow guy, horrible form guy, piled up 75 yards into the race, I raised that gun in the air and I squeezed the trigger a second time. And you could hear the crowd. Oh! It was, how dare you? 
and coaches just erupted out of everywhere and came screaming and yelling at me. Fast guy's coach, he was already like 400 yards down the course waiting for his guy to come by. He came running straight back at me because he was going to get a piece of my hide. Screaming, yelling, the runners, front runners, all disgusted. They came back, had their things to say to the starter. See, they know it's a gun with blanks. So you don't, you know, it's not like you, yeah. So... They said whatever they thought they needed to say, but I'm the guy with the gun, so I'm in charge. So I put them all back on the line. I gave them all the instructions again. I fired the gun. They took off. And at the end of the day, fast guy won the race by like 30 seconds. Nobody else in his neighborhood. And the slow guys, they finished last. Some of them quit. They didn't even finish the course. But to this day, I still feel really good about firing that gun the second time. Because I think that any time that someone falls down, somebody should let them know you can have a fresh start. I believe that that's why Jesus came into this world. I like that story for a couple of reasons. I like it today because we're still in the first week of a new year and lots of people tend to think that as the calendar rolls over, they might be able to turn over a new leaf and and get a fresh start on life. They make New Year's resolutions and they work hard at reshaping their lives and that always inspires me. I always ask folks if they make New Year's resolutions because I love to hear about people who plan to become better human beings in a year's time. I also like that story because it reveals this this basic belief of mine that all men and women and teens and children are created equal in worth in the eyes of God. And because of that high and equal value that God places on the lives of every person, everyone is given lots of opportunities for a do-over life, for a new life for a fresh start on this life that we're living. And that's what I'm excited to teach you about today. But I have a question for you. Do you want a fresh life? As you evaluate your life, the life that you're living right now, are you for the most part satisfied with where you are and where you're heading? Or does it seem to you like a fresh start might be in order today? As we came to the end of 2012, did you find yourself thinking, man, I'll sure be glad when this year is over? Did you find yourself thinking, I sure hope that 2013 is better than 2012? The good news is that God offers a fresh life to absolutely everyone who really wants one, and that offer is good today, as good today as it was when Jesus himself walked the planet. On the first Sunday of any given year, there are usually two groups of people present in churches, and those two groups have, I think, differing ideas of what fresh life really is. The first group is people who've already decided and acted on the impulse to get themselves a fresh life. They've not been involved in organized religion recently or ever, um, but haven't really been satisfied with the spiritual progress that they're kind of making on their own. So they decided that first, you know, week of the year, first Sunday of the year, they'd give church a try and picked this one. If that's the case and you're with us today, we want you to know that we're really glad that you're here. If you're a guest at First Naz today and some version of that story is true for you, then I think you picked a really good place because what I've found out is that this is a good place to try on God, faith, Jesus, church, all that stuff. You can make friends here. 
You can take Bible classes here so that you can come to understand what God hopes, what he was dreaming for your life. Uh, You can worship with us as often as you want as a way of kind of learning the the ropes. We also have a pastoral staff who uh, have prepared themselves well to do ministry. Pastor Bill was the guy who stood up here earlier and uh, gave announcements and those kinds of things. And he mentioned Pastor Aaron. He's our youth pastor who's away on the retreat. We have a pastoral staff here who have prepared themselves to do ministry and to help shape people into Christ's likeness. So if you have questions about the faith, if you want to know how to grow more in your faith, if you've got some difficulty that you're facing and you don't quite know how to get over it, we, the pastoral staff, want to make ourselves available to you and just say, give us a call, come by the office, come see us. We'd be glad to help you uh, make that fresh start in life. Um, but if you're that person who says, I came to church today because it's time for me to have a fresh start and I'm, I'm for real about it, then I'm glad you're here, and I want you to know that in a few minutes, um, I'm going to explain the kind of fresh life that the Bible teaches that Jesus can offer folks just like you. Okay? Second group of people who show up on the first Sunday of any given year is made up of people who have been involved in church for quite some time. Uh, to that group, God also offers fresh life. See, we're humans, and that means we need a restart once in a while. It means that sometimes we get a little bit off track, sometimes we lose our way, sometimes we just need to shake our heads a little bit, shake the dust off of ourselves, and start over. And I'm going to teach a little bit about that today, too. But know this, whoever we are, God offers a fresh life to us, and there's no better time to check that out, no better time to seek it out than on the very first Sunday of a new year, and so I'm really glad that you all decided to be here today. So first, let me address the kind of fresh life that's waiting for people who are checking out spiritual things, maybe for the first time or the first for real time. What in the world am I talking about when I say that God offers a fresh life? Well, the Bible talks about it in a number of different ways, and I certainly can't uh, teach you all of those things today. But just know this, that the Bible calls this fresh life a number of things, some of which you may recognize. Uh, it sometimes refers to it as being born again. It comes from a story where Jesus was having a conversation with this professional religious guy who just didn't get it. All he got was the religious forms. He didn't get the, the, the life. And so Jesus said to him, Nick, it's like, it's like being born again. And this wise religious guy said, geometry problem. See, I'm bigger than my mom. And it's just not going to work. He said, I, do I have to get like inside the womb and born again? And I'm convinced that the gospel writers sanitize things. Because what I think happened was Jesus reached over there and knocked on his forehead and said, is anybody home? Of course we're not talking about that. He said, I'm talking about a new life inside of you, not a new life inside of your mom. I'm talking about a fresh start for your heart. Bible calls fresh life being born again. Sometimes it refers to it as being born of the Spirit. Spirit, capital S, meaning like you were born of the Holy Spirit. It tells the story of how Jesus, uh, strangely enough, uh, his mother gave birth to him in this miraculous way. 
that rather than this just being a biology project between a man and a woman, that God said, I have decided that there is going to be pure, new life on planet Earth. And somehow a virgin was pregnant. And she gave life to Jesus who came and walked among us. Now, you are not going to be made pregnant by God, but you can be given new life by His Holy Spirit. Without rewinding the clock, without going through delivery and those kinds of things, God the Holy Spirit can actually come and place new life in your heart. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. He said, hey, God sent me to give a message. The message is this. For anyone who's willing, God says, I will take out their heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh, something that's soft and warm and beats and gives life to all the rest of the body. The Bible calls this fresh life being born again, being born of the Spirit. It calls it being made alive in Christ. And the people to whom these things happen, it has a few titles for them as well. It calls us believers or disciples or Christians. Second question for you, what does it take to get a fresh life? I mean, if you're interested in one and you showed up here today, perhaps it's a real question in your, in your head or your heart. Well, I like the fresh life. How do I get it, Cliff? Well, the Bible teaches us about that as well. And I'd like to share with you some scriptures, some, some verses from the Bible that I think shed some light on this. The first one, it was written by a guy named Paul, and he was writing a letter to some people in Rome, Italy, to help them understand the dream that God had for them. He said, listen, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming, which is this, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Hmm. So if I read Paul right, what he said was, this fresh life is as simple as believing God, trusting Him, and then admitting that. Hmm. Jesus' close friend John penned these words. He said, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So while Paul says it's as simple as believing and owning up to that, John said there's another element to it. It's not just that you believe that God exists, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. It's that you believe that that means certain things about you. And when you look at him and you look at you, you realize, I have a problem. I have sinned. I've done wrong, and it, it, it makes me feel so far away from God. John said that Jesus taught him that if you just confess that, if you just own up to the fact that I'm messed up, I have sinned, I've done wrong, I'm broken, that God himself will be faithful to forgive you of what you've done wrong in the past, and to cleanse your heart, to change you in the here and now, so that going forward from here, you have a fresh life. A man named Luke was on the scene in Jerusalem when Peter, another of Jesus' friends, preached the very first Christian sermon ever. Right after Jesus took off and went to heaven, here's what Peter said. He had a crowd of thousands of people listening that day. He said this, Be assured of this. 
God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's in response to that passage that I put these things on the communion table this morning. It's a pitcher of plain water and some dry towels. It's because what we've learned from the scriptures is this, that if you believe in the Lord Jesus and will own up to that, if you'll confess, I'm broken and need, I need God to change me and forgive me and to put new life in me, he'll do just that. And when Peter preached his sermon, he said there's a step of faith that you take when you believe that. He said, repent, which means turn away from your sins and turn toward God. Be baptized and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. That spiritual life that I was talking about earlier, that spiritual life that he promised to place in your heart, the earliest Christian sermon says that comes through the waters of Christian baptism. That, yes, you can stand up here and be baptized today as a way of saying to the world, I believe, but baptism is far more than a message. It is the work of God in the hearts of people whereby he gives us his life, his spirit living inside of us. One more time, John, this time quoting Jesus, says this. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. When we're talking about what it takes to get a fresh life, it's easy to misunderstand that verse. It's easy to think that what that verse is teaching is that you have to obey. You have to do all the right things. You have to get it all right in order for Jesus to love you, in order for God to love you. But instead, what he's talking about there is not a a, a prerequisite. You have to get all the things right in order to be loved by God. Instead, it's telling us about the kind of hearts that God's looking for. He's looking for people with the kind of hearts that will love him back that'll want to become pleasing to him eventually and will trust that he really does know what's best for us in this life, in this world. And so trusting him, we'll just follow him and try to do what he teaches us to do. But get this, there's a promise tacked onto the thing. Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments and I'll love you and the Father will love you. But then he also said, and I will reveal myself to you. You know what that means? It means that these questions that you've had your whole life long, where's God? All this stuff that we, that we just, that puzzles us and troubles us and causes us doubt. He said, if you take the step of obedience to God, you trust him enough that you begin to follow him, he'll start to answer some of the questions for you. He'll start to, to part the clouds for you a little bit. You don't suddenly know everything that there is to know. But in fellowship with God, walking with Jesus day in and day out, you gain enough clarity to be able to live in this world without confusion. Does that sound like a good thing today? It does to me. 
the Bible, so the Bible tells us a few things. It tells us what this fresh life is, is called, being born again, born of the Spirit, made alive in Christ. It tells us what the people who've experienced that are called. They're called believers or disciples or Christians. It tells us how we can get this fresh life, but then it also tells us a number of its effects. Once you have this new life in Christ, this new life in you, it changes some things about your daily life. Now you think I'm going to give you a list of rules, don't you? Sorry to disappoint But I don't think that's what the scripture teaches. Let me share with you a handful of passages that tell you about the effects of this fresh life. Here's one. It's from 1 John. Remember Jesus' friend John? When he was an old man, he wrote this. that He said, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Listen, I think there's a lot of people who keep their distance from God, who never try to connect with him, because they feel so rotten and ashamed that they wouldn't want to look God in the eye if they had a chance to. You ever been there? Have you ever felt just unworthy of God and his love enough that you just thought, I'll just, I'll just go my own way? Listen, what this scripture teaches us is that in relationship with God, there is no reason for shame or fear. The word is confident and unashamed. You can be confident and unashamed before God when you see him because of the fresh life that he puts within you. That's speaking to somebody today. Know it. Listen to this. This is Paul again writing to the church at Rome. He said, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody came in here today saying, I just need a little peace. I got news for you. God doesn't give a little bit of peace. He gives peace that goes beyond your ability to understand. And it guards your heart and it guards your life. There's enough peace for you to be tranquil in the face of life's very hard things. Enough peace for you to share it with your friends. Listen to this passage. It's Paul again writing to the Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you came in here saying, I want just a little bit of peace. He said, I'll give you a peace that goes beyond your ability to understand. And on top of that, I will give you joy. Something, this, this buoyancy of spirit that even in the middle of dark, hard times says, not only do I know I'm going to be okay, there's joy in my heart that gets me through. I've experienced that. The scriptures teach it, and I have experienced it. You interested in that kind of fresh life? If you are, then in in just a moment, I'll talk to you about how to get started. It really is as simple as praying a simple little prayer of repentance and asking God to come and live inside of you and guide you and you just commit your life to him. But what if you're not new to church? What if you've been around this church or others for a long time and you recognize that you need a fresh start on this faith of ours today? Maybe you found yourself with a new year on your hands, but an old life. A life that doesn't look very much different than it did before you connected with God way back when. Maybe old habits have sneaked up on you and have a grip on your life again. You find yourself in the chains of addiction. Maybe your relationships are a wreck. Or maybe you're experiencing anxiety and stress that has eaten away all of the joy in your life. You've lost a peace that used to anchor you through the rough patches. Had it once, it was real, but now it's gone who knows where. And in its place is this creeping doubt that you're a Christian at all. 
you need a fresh start, then I have some good news for you. You can have one today. What kind of a fresh life can you expect? Let's just look and see what the Scriptures teach. Hebrews chapter 9 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, listen to this, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. You find yourself today saying, I I said yes to God a long time ago, but I haven't lived it out. And now I find myself feeling convicted. I find myself feeling guilty and ashamed. Hebrews says that when God gives you a fresh life today, you can leave here not knowing that legally my record is clean, but still feeling like a wreck. You can leave here today with a clean bill of health and a clean conscience before God. It also says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. This new life that he wants to plant in you features a clean conscience, but it also features a new sense of confidence and boldness in living out this faith and sharing the good news of what God's doing in your life with other people. He said, You can be my witnesses. You can be some sort of noticeable example of my love in this world. Paul wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. He wrote these words, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. What he's teaching us here is that it is possible for us with this fresh life to have strength whenever we face temptation. Now I know I am like you. I am tempted to do wrong things. And sometimes the temptation is really, 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 really strong and quite frankly, attractive. And there is a war on my hands many times. What is a guy going to do or a gal when facing temptation? You can either under your own power say, well, I'll do my best to hang on. Or you can just give in quickly. Or you can rely on the fresh life that God gives to those who believe. And he says that it's possible, in connection with him, to walk around like a person in armor, where it doesn't get through. Oh, sure, it's a fight. But none of the missiles get through. None of the bullets get through. None of the darts get through. Because you're covered, and you're strengthened, and able to face and conquer temptation. If you knew God sometime back and you're saying, I lost track of Him, it's probably because you either didn't get dressed or you didn't know there was armor that could protect you against temptation. It's there for you, friend. But this, uh, the, the Bible also teaches that certain things, um, that it takes certain things for us to have fresh life. Just as it did for people who maybe are at that first time of belief, it takes certain things in order for those of us who once knew and once walked with him to have this fresh life. But you know what? It's all the same things. He said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says repent, be baptized, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Now a little commercial from Cliff. And i got to just tell you that what I'm, what I'm about to teach you is thus saith the Cliff, not thus saith the Lord. So it holds a lot less weight, okay? But I'm still pretty convinced that it's true. I know a lot of Christians. I know a lot of people who said, yeah, I believe the Jesus stuff. Yep, I go to church. Yep, I pray. 
But they live lives that are powerless in the face of temptation. The same old themes that used to trip them up before they said, yeah, I'm a Christian, still own them today. Time and time again, when I speak with folks that are described like that, as they pour out their frustration and their feelings of failure to me, as they talk about how they're losing hope, I'll often ask a question. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Did you take the step of obedience that's taught in his word? Did you follow your faith with baptism so that you might receive the Holy Spirit? Well, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Okay. It's just that the very first Christian sermon, when the people said, oh no, what are we going to do? Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit, said, turn around, walk toward God, and the first big step in that direction is be baptized, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. See, I'm no good at living God's rules, and neither are you. We can go and sit in my office if you want sometime. You can tell me your particular sins. All it'll tell me is what flavor of sinner you are. I already know that you are one. Because you are like me. My life, prior to knowing this truth, was one where I get to live by my own power. Doesn't go so well. You know, when I've taught this to people who have poured out their hurts and their frustrations and their failures to me, and I've said, well, it seems to me that the Scriptures gave you an answer. You just didn't want it. Why don't you humble yourself and do this the way that the Scriptures teach and see if you don't experience new power in your life by the presence of the Holy Spirit? And time and time again, when people have said, all right, I'll do it God's way. After years of saying, I know Him, they finally knew His power. Because his Holy Spirit came to live inside of them. That's the other reason that I brought the pitcher of water and the towels today. Is because I know that in a crowd this size, there are people who said yes, said yes to him a long time ago. But they never took the step of obedience, of baptism, so that they might receive the Holy Spirit. All I'm telling you is that there's a whale of a difference between Cliff as a hopeful rule keeper. And Cliff walking in step with the Holy Spirit. It's a whole, it's a fresh life. It's a whole new kind of life. What's the Bible say it's going to take for you to have a fresh life? Confess your sins. Repent, be baptized. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. And just keep your heart in that place where it says, I want to be obedient. Those who love me, obey my commandments. What's the Bible say that this fresh life produces in the people who are getting a second shot at it? Same things. Confidence. Now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, you may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming instead of how you're feeling right now. It says peace. Therefore, we've been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says you can know joy again that the God of hope can fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what your neighbors want? Hope. 
Hope is the most precious commodity in this world. Just watch the news and then read, go online and read the news and then read all the comments that follow. Oh, the world's a dark, horrible place. Ah, the sky is falling. Ah, what are we going to do? Fiscal cliff, politics. Do you guys read the same stuff I read? Because people are saying that stuff. But I'm not. Because I'm filled with hope. I know that whatever happens in this world, at the end of it, Jesus Christ will stand head and shoulders above all else, and he will be the savior of all those who say, I just look to you, I just look to you for help. That when kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, the kingdom of God will last forever. And anyone who gets into that kingdom stands as well. He said that you may overflow with hope. I want to be a Christian if you get to have all that stuff. You interested in that kind of a fresh start? Then in just a moment, we'll pray a prayer of repentance. You can recommit your life to God and you can ask Him to guide you. We are very fortunate. We live in a place and at a point in time where the good news about fresh life in connection with Christ is preached for the most part freely and without real censorship or penalty. And the good news that I understand is this. Connection with Jesus will change your life for real. As we dive into a new year, we have an opportunity for fresh life And it's available to everyone who's hungry for it. Whether you're hungry for the first time or you just woke up an old hunger pang that you'd put to bed a long time ago. This fresh life, this fresh start that God offers takes us incredible places and it takes us through incredible things. Not all of them easy, not all of them pleasant, but all of them ultimately good and good for you because God himself promised that he would take care of you. If you want a fresh start of either kind that I have described to you today, then just pray this simple little prayer with me telling God exactly what you want. And you can embark on a new, fresh life with Him today. But friend, I want, to, I want to challenge you. Please do not pray the prayer and then turn and walk away short of that step of obedience of baptism. Now, if you were baptized a long time ago, I'm going to tell you this. You don't have to be rebaptized. God looks at baptism and says, I'll, it, it just works for me forever. He said, there's one baptism. Okay? So if you were baptized a long time ago, uh, and today you say, hmm, I want this fresh life. Am I supposed to be rebaptized? No, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. Or you can be. Um, I just don't, here's the thing. God doesn't get tripped up over the number of times you've been baptized. I would say stop before you get to seven or eight, okay? Um, uh, if, if we're that far down the chain, you do not understand what is happening to you in baptism. So we'll have to talk, okay? Um, but whether this is the first time today that you're saying, I want to give God a chance to give me a fresh life. Or whether it's the hundredth time that you feel like you have stumbled, fallen, and are going to struggle to your feet. If you ask him for a fresh life, he'll give you one. And if you know that you need the power of his Holy Spirit in order to walk it out, then here's what I would suggest. That after we pray that prayer and I say amen, 
I'll invite as many as want to be baptized. And you can just come and stand right here in front of me. And we will baptize you. Behind that wall is a tank. It's my preferred way of baptizing because it's just this powerful image. We fill it up. We go back there. And I like the, the imagery of, of the old me dying and being put in the grave and a new life being resurrected and brought up out of the water. But the tank's broke. So I guess we can't have the power of the Holy Spirit, huh? No, no, no. Church of the Nazarene has taught since its uh, beginning days that God doesn't measure how much water. (laughs) He measures faith. He said, if you come to me for that spiritual cleansing, we can spritz you if you want. We can take you to the Walmart parking lot and hose you down with a fire truck. Or we can drag you down to... uh, uh, to Chief Timothy Park and dunk you three times if you want. Or you can wait for the tank to be fixed. Or you can come today and we can pour some water over your head. And that step of faith, that step of obedience, he will take seriously. And he will fill you with his Holy Spirit and with power. So I would ask you to stand with me, please. Bow your heads, close your eyes. The reason I ask you to to bow your heads and close your eyes is just some people need privacy to make the biggest decision in their lives. And we're standing here in a room full of people and I know people get self-conscious. What are people going to think? It just doesn't matter what people think, okay? It just doesn't. When you're talking about the most important thing in the whole world, a fresh life for you. But I'll also tell you this, there isn't a person in this room who isn't going to be cheering for you. When you say, please, Lord, for me, fresh life today. Let's pray. Lord, there's a lot of people in here today that by the looks on their faces, by the nodding of their heads, they want a fresh life. Some people just hearing this gospel Bible stuff for the very first time, it seems too good to be true. Lord, I pray you'd give them the gift of faith so they could see it's not too good to be true. It's just the best thing ever. There's some folks here that have known you for a long time, but they've known your law. They haven't known your spirit living within them. They've tried and failed and tried and failed and decided to quit trying and just go through the motions. Today they heard there's hope because by a step of obedience to your word, your Holy Spirit can come to live in them. And that stirs up hope for a fresh life for them. And some say, I I don't know why I've put it off. I've just put it off. Today I want everything God's got for me. So I want to be baptized and I want His Holy Spirit to fill me. Lord, for those who are seeking forgiveness, grant them forgiveness. For those who are looking for strength against temptation, give them strength and armor so that when their strength is failed, they're still protected by Your armor. For those who need confidence, I pray that you would take away any sense of condemnation. You'd give them confidence. For those who've been troubled, I pray that you'd give peace. For those whose hearts have been overcome with sorrow and sadness, I pray for joy and hope for all. In your holy name, I 
pray these things. Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask. Just uh, want you have a seat. Unless today's the day you're going to be baptized. In which case, I want to ask you to just come and join me right here. Just come right on down front. And I know how this goes. Um, nobody wants to be first, so we'll just start with second, okay? Whoever wants to be second, just come right on up here. Today you made the decision that you were going to look for help from God. Yeah, good. Larry, God bless you, brother. Is this first time? Yeah? You believe in those things that I was just talking about? You looking for some hope? Here's a man who said he's greedy for hope. Mm. Yeah, well, listen. God himself is very eager to give it to you. There is new life available to you. I believe you're receiving it in this very moment. It's going to take some growth as the years go by. But I mean real life and real hope filling you today. Okay? Dwayne, you need to be up here. Your buddy Dwayne needs to be here with you. Dwayne knows this hope. You've seen it in him, haven't you? Yeah. So just a couple of questions. You're coming forward here in faith today, trusting that God will do for you what he said. Trusting that because Jesus died, you can be forgiven. Because he rose from the dead, you can connect with him and have that new kind of life. Then I would love nothing more than to baptize you into this faith. You get to man the towel, okay, Dwayne? Larry, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that we got to witness the moment of faith. We got to see someone born again. Born of your Holy Spirit, I pray now for your life to fill him, for your spirit to come and to bring with him all the things that your word said that he will bring. Life, peace, joy, and enough hope to share. Lord, forgive him of his sins. Help him to focus his eyes on you and walk straight toward you. Help us to be the church that he needs, the brothers and sisters who help him find this path and stay on it. Help us to be patient and kind and him to be patient with us because we're pushy. (laughs) We want people to grow up fast in you. But Lord, we bring our brother Larry to you today. We receive him as a brother in Christ and present him to you for your approval. In your name we pray. Amen. Larry, I want you to turn and face the congregation here. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who have not met him, this is Larry Stock, and um, these are your brothers and sisters. You should get acquainted a little bit, okay? All right, talk to me, folks. Um, now that uh, nobody has to be first or second, how many of you, in seeing simple, obedient faith, say, well, I can, I can do that too? Yes, there will be more opportunities. There will be more opportunities in the future. But I'm telling you, if God's speaking to you today, today's the day. Why would you wait any longer? Why don't we do this? 
We'll just close our eyes. I'm going to pray one more time and just ask God to speak to whoever he wants to speak to. If he speaks to you, you do what he tells you to do. Otherwise, pressure's off. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this salvation that is possible because of your extreme love and sacrifice. Holy Spirit, we thank you that new life is possible because you give it. Because you, the very life of God, come to live in all who believe and invite you in. We will pause for just five seconds of quiet to let you speak, Holy Spirit. Draw whomever you would draw to this step of faith. We listen for your voice. All right, you can open your eyes. Last call. Again, not intending to pressure you into it, but if God spoke, are you going to obey? Stand with me. Gracious God, it's just been good to be in your house today. I thank you for the message of fresh life, a fresh start, a do-over. Larry got his today. Praise your holy name. May as many as believe receive all the promises that we read from your word today. In your name we pray, amen. Go in peace.